Did you know businesses can save more money by giving away unwanted items like desks, chairs, and medical equipment for free instead of throwing them away? Welcome to Sustainability Matters Today, where you'll learn about the fantastic work people and organizations are doing right now to heal our planet through environmentally friendly products and methodologies. My name is Daniel Hartz, and I speak with amazing champions of sustainability who prove a clean and beautiful future on Earth is possible because green practices oftentimes make financial sense. I aim to uncover the important role money plays in people's decisions to adopt and commit to environmentally friendly practices in order to create a chain reaction of positive change. In each episode, you'll also learn practical steps you can take every day to live a more eco-friendly lifestyle. Let's jump in. In this episode of the Sustainability Matters Today podcast, I interview May Al-Karuni, CEO of Globechain, an award-winning reuse marketplace that connects businesses that want to throw items away with charities, people, and SMEs that want to use those items. Since starting its operations in 2013, Globechain has over 10,000 customers. They've diverted over 5.2 million kilograms from landfill, and they've helped over 14,000 communities and 82,400 people globally. Some of their partners include Marks & Spencer, B&Q, Nando's, Radisson Hotels, and the NHS. May and I begin by discussing the ongoing demand for the circular model of economy within the waste management industry. She explains that the circular economy focuses on reducing or even eliminating all waste by reusing and recycling all materials. Companies can therefore increase their profits significantly by saving money on materials and supplies. We talk about businesses cutting their waste disposal costs by 50% simply by giving away 60% of what they were originally going to throw away. That's a win-win-win situation, a win for the business, a win for the charities and the causes they support, and a win for the environment. May was chosen by the Morgan Phillips Group as one of the five most influential female online entrepreneurs of 2019, and Globechain was listed in Forbes as one of the startups you should watch in 2019. And since the recording of this episode, Globechain was also chosen as the Barclays Regional Winner for the Social Entrepreneur of the Year Award. This is a really exciting episode. If you know someone who's a recycling warrior and reuses items rather than throws away, share this episode with them. You can find us at sustainabilitymatters.today. If you'd like to learn more about May and Globechain, visit their website at globechain.com. And while you're at it, Tag us on Instagram to let us know you're listening to this episode at We Are Globe Chain and at Sustainability Matters Today. We'd love to hear from you. I also recommend checking out Globe Chain's Twitter account at Globe Chain for fascinating facts and practical tips on living a sustainable lifestyle. All right, let's jump in. Thank you for joining me, May. Thank you very much. Great to have you uh, on the show. And you know, before we jump into the specifics of what you do, I'd love to hear a bit more about your background, specifically about how you got started in the sustainability field uh, and why you decided to start Globechain. Sure. Um, So basically, I've worked for like over 10 years in investment banking. And um, the reason I set up Globechain is one day our 
um, bank was moving offices across the road and they came round and asked us for um, what we preferred in chairs and tables and new carpet colour. And they were basically going to dispose of all the old furniture rather than give it away. And um, and I was just like, that's crazy because we had 300 people in the building. And upon speaking to kind of the facilities and the move guys, um, they said basically it cost them around £50,000 per person to make the move. And I just thought, well, that's like commercial madness because not only did that include logistics, and um, moving costs, but staff costs as well. And I just thought, why is no one put companies connected to charities and small businesses together online, like a marketplace? And why is no one digitalized waste? So this is basically where Globechain kind of was born from. Yeah, that's, um, it's crazy that they would just throw everything away. Uh, It seems like such a waste. It was all perfectly good furniture and equipment. They were just going to put it all into the landfill. Was that the idea? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we were talking roughly about kind of like 10, 15 years ago. Um, you know, sustainability wasn't even a, a word that people use day to day. They probably didn't even know what that meant. Right. Um, so, so, you know, in those days, you know, companies were very much about kind of just making a profit, uh, speed and convenience. And, you know, if they could give it away to a few charities here and there, great. But if it took them more time and effort, uh, you know, they weren't going to do that because there was no pressure from anyone to basically dispose of things in a more ethical way. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The landscape has changed a lot since then. Yeah. In one of your blog posts, you outlined that Globechain has a couple of motivations for what you do. And I, I think you started to touch on that already. But you know, specifically, first of all, you're reducing the amount of waste that ends up in landfill. And second, you also want to get free items into the hands of people who will gladly reuse them. Yeah. This is kind of the opposite of how things have been before, which is what's called a linear supply chain or a linear economy. And this is now a circular one or a circular supply chain. So what exactly is a circular economy or or a circular supply chain? And why do you think it's important? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's actually a really complicated area, but um, ultimately, basically, um, companies at the moment and, you know, back um, since we've known companies exist have worked on linear models. And that's basically them creating something, whether that's a product in a factory or a warehouse, producing it, putting it through logistics, sending it to a store. Um, from there, a consumer buys it, consumes it, and then disposes it in the bin. That's a linear model. It's straight. A circular model takes into effect basically all all the processes and the stages to see if you can use all the materials so there's no waste and basically really put it back into the process and the systems. Um, so, for example, give you an example, um, lighting. Companies now, especially um, Philips, are doing looking at different business models where basically rather than selling light bulbs, they're actually selling light and they maintain the light bulbs. So there's less production, less waste. And, um, you know, technically they're making more money out of being light suppliers rather than light bulb suppliers. So Mm. there's different ways of having that. And it could be from designing new products, um, looking at how materials for construction are designed so that buildings in the future could be module and you can take them down and rebuild them somewhere else, as well as materials that could be decomposed better. So there's, there's, there's different ways that people can become circular. Um, it's quite actually a big, complicated topic, but um, companies are starting slowly, slowly to kind of move down the circular model. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it sounds like there's quite a lot of profit associated with saving materials and using them more effectively. But in addition to that, you're also diverting waste from landfills 
why is it so important to divert things from the landfill? Why don't we just throw everything into the landfill and not worry about it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's two ways of waste being disposed these days. Um, you know, landfill has been the traditional one for years and years. People have just basically um, filled up landfill sites outside of cities, um, you know, kind of like where you don't see it. And um, unfortunately, these landfills are getting full. Um, there's methane gas. There's a lot of problems on landfill sites and things get dumped abroad, specifically in Africa. And I don't know if, um, you know, people are aware, you know, China's just stopped um, specific export of certain types of waste and electricals because most of it would have been right. gone to go there to to be dumped basically um, and as landfills right. fill up all they do is dig deeper when they can't dig deeper they have to incinerate them so a lot of the waste these days if it's not being able to be disposed in landfill or recycled actually gets incinerated and, th- and then there as well you have different types of problems to do with carbon emissions got it so it really is an environmental concern uh, and it's important to make sure that we basically save that stuff um, from going into a place where it'll just eventually hopefully decompose. But during that time, it first of all takes up space and second of all pollutes water and the air and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a major problem because a lot of this doesn't decompose and that's where the problems are now occurring. Um, you mm. know, and, and chemicals and new diseases are being found by, you know, Mother Nature trying to balance it out. So it's become a really serious problem. It's no more a case of like, no one will be affected by it, you know, whether you care or not cancer that somebody has could be from some chemicals in the water or could be from something you ate um, or could be from that fish or, or, you know, that chicken that's on contaminated ground. So, you know, eventually it's coming back into our supply chain. Right. It's also a big health concern. That's, uh, yeah, you definitely don't want any contaminated chicken that's been living on top of an old landfill. That doesn't sound very good at all. Yeah, you just don't know. I mean, it doesn't even have to be on the landfill sites. You know, the, the these chemicals are absorbed into the soil, mm. um, you know, and if there's land nearby that's agriculture or the sea or lakes, you know, for drinking water, you know, it's everything. It's like, it's really out of control now. Right. And, you know, it's been going on far too long where these companies are allowed to to dump, uh, you know, who gave permission to keep dumping in the ocean and continue doing that, you know, those kind of things. If we switch gears for a moment and go more to what Globechain actually does. So basically companies can post items on the Globechain website and others can take those items for free. So uh, you kind of touched already on the sustainability aspect in terms of the environment, as in people are now more aware of sustainability and, and its importance. But what do companies get in return for giving away those unwanted items for free specifically? They're not selling the items, they're just giving them away. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to do a different type of model because I believe the future is really kind of going to be businesses that have uh, this element of commercial with a conscience, which is our strap line. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, ultimately, there's going to be philanthropy and giving at the same time as making money. And, you know, the way we work is by charging these companies for listing on our platform. We're actually cheaper than them disposing of it, recycling it, or incinerating it. So there's benefits from a commercial level for them to do that. But also, these are perfectly good items that could be reused. And, you know, we do things in predominantly a B2B market. So it's retail fixtures, obsolete stock, it's office furniture and refurbs and computers, and then it's construction material and medical equipment. These things are very expensive. They're expensive to dispose of, but they're expensive actually to buy. Um, And there are organizations, charities, small businesses that are really struggling economically 
to buy these things, whether that's in developed or developing countries. And these big companies that are giving these things away want to give to charity and want to give to these people and help, but they just don't know where they are. So what our system does is it provides a really strong network um, in the UK and globally of um, these types of organizations that can take for free. And the idea behind free is we did a lot of studies around the psychology behind people respecting free things and um, what kind of is different about us that we actually get them to go and pick up themselves. So the taking member is the one that organizes their own logistics and pays for it. That way you reduce the no-shows and the people that don't turn up significantly because if people see that they have to basically commit commercially to something, um, it makes a huge difference to the way collections and the responsibilities taken on the taking side. Right. There's a bit of skin in the game. They get the item for free, but they still need to pay for any collection and time and all of that. And that's the their investment. Absolutely. And and for me, I didn't want to just do another eBay. You know, like in the UK alone, there's over 3000 marketplaces that are all doing the same model. Right. Um, we've got to recognize that we're in a different kind of industrial revolution where there's new business models taking form, whether that's in food and energy and water and waste. And, you know, there's an element of risk to try these business models out. But, you know, you can see from the demand in the market that there's a need for change. And I think like just globally now, um, we're, we're changing from the foundations up politically, economically, sustainability, uh, everything, basically. Yeah, very cool. You mentioned that it can be very expensive to recycle or get rid of uh, the items that, that you're listing. So, I mean, it's a, a pretty wide variety of, of items. So it is more cost effective for companies to post those items on Globechain. Just from my kind of background, and, and, I, and my background is very limited in waste, I'm kind of surprised that it's expensive to throw stuff away. You'd think, well, you just throw it away and it's kind of gone and that's it. How big roughly is the cost savings? Yeah, it depends. So when I first started and I was setting up the business, um, I was I remember going to investors and basically saying, hey, I've got this new model. It's saving companies money and waste. Um, there's a massive market in reuse. And then they would ask me, what's your market cap? And I looked at so much data, and believe it or not, and asked so many of our clients, like, you know, what are your waste costs? And um, the issue we had was that the waste costs actually weren't transparent. So a lot of clients took a long time in trying to break down what actually they're spending their money on and what actually is wasted and recycled. Um, but just to give you an example, we have one global retailer that has like over 2,000 stores. They worked out it was spending £8 million on waste disposal a year on fixtures and fittings and general kind of real estate and, and property uh, type projects. And, you know, by using us, they were saving easily 3 to £4 million, uh, just by wow. giving away around 60%. Of, of what they were disposing. Um, our current rate is about 97% on the site goes within the 24 hours. Wow, that's incredible. That's, yeah, that's a huge cost savings. I mean, it seems uh, when you put it in that perspective, it's kind of a no-brainer for the company. Yeah. You're cutting their costs in half, basically, at least in that specific instance. Uh, for the members who actually post items onto the, onto the website, so for example, this global retailer, they also receive a waste audit and social value data report, which basically shows where their unwanted items have been sent and the amount of waste that was diverted from, from the landfill as a result. These reports also include cost savings to the charity uh, and kind of wider community benefits. Uh, is there anything else included in the report? 
Uh, yeah, we actually um, calculate like social, economic, and environmental impacts, which in the banking world is called ESG data, environment, social governance mm. data. And um, mm-hmm. we break down exactly what you said, those kind of basics. But also we go in a bit deeper and we know if something's been reused, resold, upcycled. We know um, if it's helped with any indirect impacts like upskilling and employment levels as well. So there's a real um, mix of things. So to give you an example, like we might give away some computers. So we have charities that um, help young offenders in prisons learn new skills to be able to, when they leave the prison, to go and get a job and the likelihood of them reoffending is lower. So um, they take these computers, they ha- they teach them how to rebuild them. Then the um, young offenders basically sell them and the money goes to homeless charities. So ultimately there's two impacts there. There's an upskilling of the young offenders and there's potentially an employment afterwards. And then obviously there's the money that's sent to the homeless charities that basically could um, help a homeless person or put to fundraising money to say employ somebody within the charity so uh, we've been basically collecting those impacts and creating infographic reports so we know which sector where what did they do with it how did it affect population communities and so on and then we create infographics for the um, corporates and then they get that in real time in their um, account page over the years Uh, we were finding that they were using them in really interesting ways. So they were using them to offset tax, to put in their um, sustainability reports, to win tenders, specifically in the construction industry. And um, in the construction industry, they're actually recognized if they use us under something called Brian Points in the UK and Europe. And in the US, I believe it's called LEED. Definitely familiar with LEED in the US. So that report is um, a very important part of what Globechain does and really the benefits of posting onto for a corporate to post onto that onto your website. Yeah. Yeah. These are the benefits. I mean, you know, they save money and they get data and this data um, has not really been collected like this before as social impact data. The data in the past has been, you know, your classic waste data, um, you mm. know, so they know how much has been recycled or that, so they think because some of it can get incinerated legally um, just using different wording. And, um, and you know, they know how much they've given away to charity and usually it's like ad hoc projects. But apart from that, they don't get a granular um, look and transparency into exactly how it's helped. And, you know, these figures actually help internally in companies as well. Like a lot of staff in restaurants that we have are KPI'd on the amount they reuse. So, you know, they create fun kind of leak tables and it becomes like friendly competition. Um, they motivate people with this and so on. So um, they're using it in some quite creative ways, creating case studies, creating an impact, um, you know, within their own marketing departments as well. Yeah, that's awesome. It's really cool when you can, you know, make sustainability competitive and fun. And if you, if there's reward systems put in place that ensure that, you know, if you're, if you hit this sustainability target, then you get rewards and uh, just really encourage that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we forget, Daniel, that actually everybody's human at the end of the day, whether they work in a company, an organization or wherever in the world. So, you know, when, um, you know, when people first start using Globechain, obviously it's a bit of behavior change, you know, for these property guys, uh, for the facility right. people, um, for people internally, because it's changing the way that they've been doing things. So, you know, yep. at first they may seem reluctant, but, you know, once they start giving away things and they see how people react and the impact that they're creating, you know, we get so many nice thank you letters. Like one charity was like taking medical equipment to uh, Libya 
And they were like, this is our lifeline. We can't thank you enough. And this is just a doctor here that set up a social enterprise to go and help rebuild uh, hospitals in war and conflict areas. And, you know, mm. having that kind of feedback sent back to people in the NHS working um, is a great booster for their morale. It motivates them to do more. And, it, and it's very aligned with, you know, their objectives and ethos about community, because not only do charities um, take things for locally, but they can take things internationally as well from the NHS. So um, it's a really lovely kind of positive impact story for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. And speaking of the charities and, you know, like you mentioned, this charity in, in Libya, Globechain has saved charities about £2 million um, because the charities can pick up items for free rather than needing to actually purchase them. Um, so for example, uh, as we talked about, you know, rather than buying a desk or anything for the office, the charity just picks it up and they don't have to buy it. What, what's really interesting is that there's this win-win-win scenario that Globechain provides, which is it's a win for the corporate because they're saving money by posting it on Globechain rather than throwing it away. It's a win for the environment because waste is being diverted from the landfill. And then the third win is for the charity because they're getting stuff for free. So it's such a powerful triangle that you've made. Everyone wins and you're right in the center facilitating all of it. Are there any types of charities in specific that are using Globechain more than, more than others? Or are there any charities that benefit the most? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it goes in kind of different phases, actually. Um, for, uh, there was one um, earlier in the year, I would say it was very much the arts charities, charities that um, see themselves as arts side of things. Um, but we have a lot of disaster recovery charities, refugee charities, uh, homeless charities, um, children and education. So we do schools as well. They don't have to be charities. And we're seeing a lot more kind of social enterprise and startups using it too, because um, ultimately we've got three types of users. We have like resellers, which are the charities that sell on eBay or in their shops and fundraise money for like heart disease and cancer research and things like that. And then we have the reusers, uh, which either will reuse things internally for their own benefit, as you said, like, you know, they, they use up tables and chairs for their office. It saved them, like, say, a couple of thousand pounds or dollars, you know. Um, right. that's, that's a big saving to a small business. And at the same time, they reuse it for third parties that they're representing. Um, like I said, homeless and refugee crisis. So they take it and... Um, and have things there. Like, for example, we do another retailer. They were refurbishing a huge office. They had a thousand pedestals. And for someone that doesn't know what pedestals are, they're the two sets of drawers that usually go underneath the table that are made of metal and oh, have yeah. a lock. <laughs> yep. um, so, you know, a lot of those are becoming redundant now because people are so kind of nomadic. They have a laptop and they don't really need a desk with a set of drawers. You know, we hardly ever use stationery anymore. So um, right. we get a lot of pedestals on the site and we had at one point a thousand to be given away. And um, we had a, a really large refugee charity um, took them and actually took them to the refugee camps um, down in the south of England to use for um, storage for clothing uh, mm. for the refugees. So it was a really simple thinking behind it but really powerful because, you know, obviously the refugees there, they, you know, where are they going to stay their cl clothes at the end of yeah. the day? So that was like a really interesting kind of reuse case study there. 
other charities are really creative and they upcycle. So a lot of like artists, eco designers will take it and make installations or create new products out of it and sell them. And uh, we like those types of charities because we like the fact that we can enable people to think a little bit differently about the products that have been listed on there and what they can use it for, specifically construction material, because you can get some really strange things and you wonder what they are and, and you know, you get five requests for them and you're thinking, what are they going to do with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are so many different uses for it. And it's, it's great to hear that it doesn't really it doesn't really matter what people are using it for as long as it's being used in one way or another and diverting yeah. it from landfill and at the same time helping the corporates uh, save money. Yeah, everyone wins. And, and that's just so cool. Yeah, after this, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to look at a dumpster or any trash pile the same way ever again. <laughs> I know, I can't look at them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you ever, do you ever, if you ever walk by anything, do you ever wonder like what gold could be in here that people are just kind of thoughtlessly throwing away? Every day, every day. It makes me upset when I see them there. I, I want to put a sticker on every dumpster or stuff in there going, <laughs> you should have put it on Globechain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a guerrilla marketing campaign. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so based on your experience, based on everything you've seen, um, you know, through Globechain and uh, working at the at the bank, what do you think people listening to this podcast can do to be more environmentally friendly? Yeah, I think, you know, every every little helps. I don't think we need to all be kind of like evangelists and tr tree huggers or uh, activists. You know, I think, um, you know, respectfully anyone that, you know, kind of commit can commit to that. But, you know, a lot of people can't. A lot of people have families. They don't have the spending power to do things. But I think, you know, I think pick one thing that you're passionate about or you don't like that's happening, whether that's on a product side, a service side in the market, and just really stand your ground. You know, like for me, like I always try, I know the, you know, the classic paper cup, but I try not to use a paper cup now, you know, and, and always like right. if the shop tries to give me one, I'm like, oh, no, don't waste that. Or if they try and give me extra napkins or whatever, I'm like, no, 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 save the environment, keep that bag or keep that thing. Those little things do help. Um, and slowly, slowly, but, you know, people need to be more vocal about it, I think, because if mm. these companies don't hear people talking about it, it's not about, you know, doing it in – your home and closing the doors. It's about sticking your neck a bit out there and going, you know what, I won't buy your product unless I know if it's ethically sourced, unless I know if it's organic, unless I know this X, Y, Z. And I think slowly, slowly, you know, that movement will grow and, you know, companies will have to take note of it because at the end of the day, you're not going to buy their service, their product, their brand. And if you don't buy their brand, their share price goes down and then they go out of business. So they're going to have to take this seriously. And there's a lot of movement in the company space, but I would love it to be more mainstream. You know, at the moment we've had the fashion of food, we've had the fashion of plastics, but you know, the construction waste that goes, um, you know, uh, to, in disposal is huge. It's like 30, 40% plus of landfill. So there's wow. other waste streams that really need the spotlight put on them. And, you know, companies nearly really need to be pressurized to kind of start looking at their costs and demanding waste companies to be more transparent about what they're doing. Companies are already coming to us and saying, you know, uh, can you do wood? Can you do metal? And, you know, my question to them is like, are you not recycling it? And they're like, we are, but it's expensive and it's chemical breakdown. So they are aware, they just need more solutions. And I think we can help by pushing that agenda forwards because um, ultimately we have the power to do that. Yeah. 
Really interesting. And I think um, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, it's, it is very important, you know, just a little bit here and there, uh, it adds up a lot. And, you know, if every single customer at some large restaurant chain starts reducing the amount of napkins they used, as, as you mentioned, that's a really big reduction. Uh, it, it all adds up little by little. And yeah, and even even down to kind of the meat or the salmon, you know, like I'm like, God, you know, would I eat salmon again after seeing all the plastics that get absorbed in the fish in the water? You know, so right. I, I would make comments and go, is your salmon sustainably sourced? Like, where'd you get it from? You know, why is it dyed pink? <laughs> you, yeah. you know, salmon's not really that pink. And then, you know, like um, whatever is your thing, I think go for it. You don't have to be squeaky clean everything, you know, like doing something is better than being perfect. Um, and, you know, I think we've gone beyond this kind of guilty advertising where you show, you know, like lack of water in the desert and, and starving children making pe people feel bad. This is the time to create positive impact. And I think if you, you know, motivate people and you feel like if people change something, they're making something positive in this world. I think there's there's a bigger, bigger picture to see with that. Uh, and so if, if people wanted to learn more about either the circular economy or waste or to read, you know, do you have any books that you could recommend uh, about that or a book that inspired you to make some changes? Gosh, books wise, you know, I have no time for books now. <laughs> I used to read a lot. I wouldn't say um, any books inspired me about the circular economy because we're kind of leading the reuse movement <laughs> a yeah, little cool. bit um you know we, we're kind of like at the beginning of when people weren't using reuse but i would definitely recommend um the ellen MacArthur foundation website for the amazing circular reports i mean she mm. she was a pioneer in creating you know kind of this movement of circular economy and engaging businesses and and people so she's worked really hard on her you know foundation to really put that in the limelight but her reports are are very good if you want to understand um, the technicalities of circular economy and they've got a lot of case studies so i definitely would recommend um that type that type of book um my favorite books are actually more business books because I see the circular economy being just like the new business model of the future. Um, okay. And I love kind of Malcolm Gladwell's books, such oh, as like Tipping Point and Outliers, because, you know, the circular economy is a type of outlier in its own way. And I think we will get to a tipping point with it. So I would recommend those type of books to motivate somebody to do something. Yeah. A Malcolm Gladwell book, ha ha I think, has a place on pretty much any person's... Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Shelf or library. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, May. This has been very interesting. It's been very informative. And like I said, I don't think I'll be able to ever look at trash the same way. If people want to learn more about the work you're doing, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, I mean, basically just go on to uh, Globechain, um, G-L-O-B-E-C-H-A-I-N.com. And uh, you'll be diverted to your own page. And we've got blogs on there. Uh, we've got the press side to read about us videos and um, obviously you've got the marketplace. That's probably the best place to start, I'd say. And you can contact us where we're on the contact form there. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of season two. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. We're on Spotify, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, and really anywhere else where you can listen to podcasts. If you know anyone who's interested in sustainability and would enjoy listening to this episode or any of the other Sustainability Matters Today episodes, let them know. Just send them the URL sustainabilitymatters.today. 
If you want to chat with us, tag us on Instagram at WeAreGlobeChain and at Sustainability Matters Today. We'd love to hear from you. I also recommend checking out GlobeChain's Twitter account, at GlobeChain, for fascinating facts and practical tips on living a sustainable lifestyle. Thanks and talk to you soon.